Hello, it's Aiden Jones here, and you're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 18th of February, 2020. Fuck. Again. I did it again. I fucking said 2020 rather than 2020. When will I learn? That's actually, uh, that's, that's genuinely upset me. Um, you know why it is? Because whenever I start my podcast, I think about Bill Burr and I think about how he says, this is Bill Burr, this is a Monday morning podcast for two, for Monday. And then he says, 2000 and he says 2000. And then after that, he starts talking and, you know, that's the point of departure from which I can no longer copy him. Um, so that's like the last thing. And it's in my head. Every time I start my podcast, I think of Bill Burr. Every time I pick up a podcast microphone, I think of Bill Burr and what he's given to us, the podcast, the brave podcasters out here on the vanguard of truth and honesty and unity. In our society. I think of Bill Burr. Um, anyway, it's the 18th of Feb. I'm a little bit sore. I played indoor yesterday, indoor soccer. And we had a win, 4-3. Fuck, it was good. It was, that was probably the hardest game we've played, I reckon. That was my first game back. And I bloody pooped myself early doors, didn't I? But I scored a goal. And uh, it was just hard fought, good, good Aussie sportsmanship. Uh, a couple of the other dudes were real good and, and I had a couple good kind of tussles with them and, you know, like fucking grabbing hands and pats on backs and all that kind of stuff. It's just good shit, man. And we won and uh, I didn't stretch beforehand or afterwards. I actually haven't even probably run. I went for one run on my birthday. And other than that, I haven't gone for a run in fucking all year, I reckon. Jesus Christ. Uh, sorry, I don't want to anymore. I don't know. It feels boring to me now. I got tired of running. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could fucking. I wish there was a daytime, like sports league. You know, I wish there was shit that I could where I could play sport in the day at weeks, because it's all at night. Because people work in there, but I work in the evening. So, you know, where's my fucking indoor? Soccer league. Where's the sport for me? Maybe baseball is the one. That's the thing in America, right? They play baseball in the day and everyone has days off work or... I don't know what the fuck they do. I've never been to America, but like, you know... they You hear they like play baseball in the day. On like a Tuesday or whatever. And it's like, aren't all you people supposed to be at work? But they're not. They're out there watching the baseball. Where's the league? I just... Because running is just fucking boring, man. It is. People who, you know, talk about the runner's high or whatever, like, it does give you a rush of endorphins, but it's just not... I need someone to fucking do it against. I need to be able to win to give me the incentive to play and break a sweat and actually challenge myself. And I guess you can just run, like, you know, I was doing it for, like, a few weeks back there last year, run around the park, see if I can beat my time. But it's just against myself. And even on the app, you can see all the other people in the distances they've run in the times... But I want to see the person. I want to see their emotional reaction when I beat them. And then I want to be able to downplay my own emotional reaction when they beat me and then have them flip out and be like, you are fucking upset. Stop pretending like you're not upset to try and take this moment away from me. 
I, it's running, man. It's no good, but I need a different way to stay fit. There's not enough games of indoor. So, and like playing fucking indoor, or even if I found it, I'd love to play like proper football again. But even that, like that'll fucking ruin your body, man. You need to do other shit to keep your body in shape, like be in the gym. But just without, without an element of competitiveness, like, okay, if you're a professional athlete, you can go to the gym because you're like, well, I need to condition my body to do the thing that I love, which is play sport and, and challenge myself against people and whatever, be competitive. So there's a reason for them to go to the gym. But with me, there's really no reason for me to go to the gym at all. I could be twice my current weight and still live exactly the same life, I reckon. Fuck, imagine me at 130 <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that would be rugged um i weigh i think i weigh 68 69 kilos now i haven't stepped on a scale maybe i weigh 70 if i weigh 71 i reckon i'll put a bullet in my fucking head because i've never never gone over 70 before <sighs> but um yeah i just there's no reason for me to be to, to maintain physical fitness other than obviously like the health benefits and everything, which is the reason that I want to do it, but that's too abstract. I don't have the forethought and the willpower to fucking, to fuck around with doing that. No, why? Ugh. To like go for a run just so, well, I like I live for a few more days in my 70s. Pretty strong assuming I'm going to get to my 70s, but let's stick with it. Quitting smoking was one thing because it makes me feel immediately bad, like my fucking, it makes me sick or whatever. So quitting smoking wasn't that hard, but to take up, and I reckon it's probably a similar amount of willpower, actually, quitting smoking as opposed to going to the, like once I start running, it feels good, but it's just the, um, it's just the fucking doing it. And then, like, the next day you feel kind of sore, and so you let yourself off the hook. You're like, ah, I did it yesterday, so... I won't do it again today. And then the next day, you're like, well, I'll take two days break because I need a recovery. And then by the third day, you're like, I don't run anymore. <laughs> take two days off. You're like, well, you went from I've been running to like I ran once. <laughs> and that's how you talk yourself out of any sort of fitness regime and, uh, and find yourself sitting on your bedroom floor recording a podcast and talking about it rather than actually getting out into the world and doing it. All right. Uh, maybe I need to shut the fuck up on that one. I got my little tea. Oh, baby, that is good shit. Perfectly steeped to perfection. I was feeling a little lonely this week. I was. I had a weird week socially. To get back from uh, socially, emotionally, mentally... I was unstable. Uh, I actually get back from the fringe and doing sold-out shows and stuff and, f you know, I bombed on Monday. I think I talked about that last week. I bombed the first night I got back and then just, like, saw a couple friends a couple times but not that much. Ah. And um, Tuesday was, like, oh, Tuesday and even Wednesday, actually, had a few hangs with mates but, like, just not heaps. I don't know. And then Thursday, I was like, all right, I'm going to keep this going. I saw two friends. I saw my friend Holly at midday, um, and then I saw my friend Lo, at, like, after I finished having a coffee with, I had a coffee with Holly, 
and then Lo and I had lunch at mine and then we did like garden things and um I uh I just I thought I could do it. I thought I could do two friends hanging out back to back. Twelve till three and then three till like seven pretty much and then I just went and did the gig that I was booked for on Thursday, which was what was it? Did I do a gig on Thursday? Yeah, I did two. I did three. Fuck. And it just like it got to six and I was planning on just hanging out and reading for a bit. And then Lo was like, oh, do you want to come past mine and I'll give you some seeds? Seed. Seeds. <laughs> Have some seeds. <laughs> there's, there's, this, um, there's this comedian in, uh, is she here? No, she was in, uh, in the UK, I reckon. I can't remember her name, but she used to have some bit. She wasn't really around comedy that much, but she used to have a bit where she would, uh, like, scream out the name of her ex-boyfriend when they fucked. Like, not when that, like, he would come around after they broke up and she would fuck him again and she'd be calling his name out and she'd just go, Steve, Steve. <laughs> That's, I think, what made me laugh when I said, Seeds, Seeds. <laughs> Um, I went round to Lowe's house and got some seeds off her. Silverbeet, kale, um, capsicum, and chilies. Planted them all in a pot. That was the next day. But that day I went round hers and now it was. She was like, "Oh, it's close to your show, so that's cool." And I'm like, "Yeah, sick." And then I got there and I just realised I'd been like, you know, hanging out with people for six hours and two different people, so it's like a different energy. You got to reset in the middle. It just was, I don't know if this, is, if, if this is a thing that a lot of people might experience or maybe it's just me. Maybe this is some real introvert energy shit, but I just, I was so tired. I was wiped out, man. And I got to Lowe's and I just fucking plopped my ass down on the couch and was just like, I had a nap. I had like a three minute nap. I felt like I was done. And also I just, I guess I haven't been writing that much because I've been trying to stay busy and writing feels like something that kind of takes me away from um, from hanging out with people or whatever. I just, I don't know. I felt fucking dead on Thursday. Maybe it's because I haven't been writing. I haven't been writing that much. And so I feel a little bit kind of dissatisfied with, you know what? I think I just decided that I'm not going to go to the NGV after I record this. I was going to go to the NGV and see the delightful exhibit of Jean-Michel Basque and is that what his name is? Basque, Basque and Herring. Keith Herring and Jean-Michel Basque. But I'm not going to do that now because one, I don't have time and two, I think I need to write for my gigs tonight. I think I'm going to do, I might even just do one but I've I got to write some new fucking jokes, man. Maybe I'll go to the exhibits tomorrow. Yeah, I was feeling very dissatisfied on Thursday and, and then Friday, like, I uh, had my gig go. Went okay. Did I see anyone on Friday? I can't remember. Friday. Let's look in my little diary here. No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, God. I've been meaning to do so much. Admin. I feel, I just feel like I'm fucking swamped by things and I'm not doing any of them. I'm waiting for my money to come from Perth. I feel like I'm just, again, deferring my life until I 
I'm like, when my money comes, then I'll start being productive and doing the shit that I need to do. But I'm not actually doing any of it. I'm not, I could do it now. I said, like, I said on Saturday that I was going to send a bunch of emails. And in between then and now, I've sent like four emails. I didn't do anything on Friday. Saturday, I had a great day. Like, or on paper, I had a great day. But again, I felt like it was kind of taxing. I saw Fleabag with my friend. And then I saw, uh, and then I, and then I did, uh, oh, actually, fuck, this was great. I did um, the feature spot at Raw on Saturday in the afternoon. So I got there at one, I watched the whole show, hung out with some of the Comedy Fest people judging the show, and that was fun, and uh, there was one fucking insane person. <laughs> so we were talking about, when are the insane people going to come on? And then one came on, and my friend kicked me, like, I th- I thought she was just like, had just, you know, moved her foot by accident or whatever. So I looked at her and she was like, oh, sorry. And then looked at the stage and then I turned around to go after like a minute to be like, oh, you kicked me on purpose because you knew this person was going to be crazy. (laughs) She was like, yep. I was like, you fucking picked it. How did you pick it as soon as they walked on stage that they were going to be crazy? Fuck, I love watching that. There was only 17 uh, acts on the show. And actually, it was a really strong show. Um, and uh, and the whole time, I'd never done the feature spot before. The feature spot is like all the new acts go on. They do their five minutes. And um, the judges go away to deliberate to see which three or four they're going to send through to the next round of the competition. And uh, in the meantime, there's an act, an experienced an experienced professional comedian goes on stage to do some some time while uh you know while everyone waits for that and that was me and uh I was so fucking excited oh I mean maybe I'll maybe I'll put my set from that at the end of this I haven't done that in a while have I Put a little set that I did this week at the end of the pod. Fucking that's what I'm going to do, man. I was so happy with the things that I said. It was really good. Basically, I just went on and started talking about like, you know, no one cares, man. Like, don't worry. I was like, I know everyone at the back, you're all stressing out because you want to go through and uh, and you just want to be appreciated for the comedy that you've done and you want to win and you think that you're good and that's great. And for the people who do go through, well done. And for the people who don't go through, just know that no one fucking cares at all. No one cares. No one cares if you win. Yeah, I just kept saying that. Like, I just wish that someone had told me that. I mean, people did, but no one listens. I didn't fucking listen. I guess when I did Raw, I remember, like, I remember the first time I didn't go through. I don't really remember my first Raw heat, but the second time I did it, because you get three, you're allowed to do it three times. So the second year I did it, I had a real good set. I riffed off something that had happened in the toilets and then I did my set after that and, uh, and I didn't go through and I remember Kyle Chandler came up to me afterwards and said that you were robbed and that meant, meant a lot to me because at that point all Kyle Chandler had said to me was like, shut up. Um, and then years later, that was 2014 and then in 2017 when I came back from London, I, that was my fifth year of doing comedy I didn't get through. Oh, so I got through the first round and then I didn't get through the second round. And I remember like Blake who was fucking in the second round with me and also didn't get through. But I remember Blake saying to me like, man, don't worry. Like it's not about any of this. It's just about 
doing the set, enjoying the show, having fun, performing to a bigger crowd than what you normally would, and just like enjoying comedy. And um, as much as I heard those words, I did not fucking take them in at all. And I guess when I did that feature spot on Saturday, I just kind of wanted to go up and be like, Oi, everyone, trust me, you don't believe me right now? You think I'm just saying this? Like, it's it's all well and good for someone... It's so, it's such a weird dynamic to go on that show at the end because I know the way they're looking at me is like this guy is a professional comedian. He has to some extent made it. They see me as like he's made it, you know. He's up there on the stage doing the feature spot. He's been anointed by the comedy festival. Like they think that them picking me to do that means that I'm on some level picked. Like I'm going to fucking, you know, but not at all, man. It's just, it's so wild to be that person and remember how I saw the person doing that spot. Because when I was doing Raw, the people doing those spots were like Celia Pacola, Nick Cody, uh, Dave Thornton. All these acts that are like big fucking pro acts now. And, um, and I remember looking at them being like, fuck, if I could just get to that level, like I've, I've made it, you know, and I did it on Saturday and I just kind of wanted to tell everyone there like you're looking at me like this but trust me not that at all actually and I'm looking at you knowing who you are and trust me you're not who you think you are and I'm not who I think I am and none of this fucking means anything and you should just be trying to have fun and it's a very self-indulgent thing to say but I really think I said it in a way where I was kind of making fun of myself for saying it and and having it be funny and I've I fucking killed is what I did. Ladies and gentlemen, I fucking murdered. No, I had a good set. <laughs> am I allowed to say I did well? Fuck. I'm not sure if I am. Anyway, that made me feel good on Saturday. And then I um, I went home for a bit, did some reading, just chilled out, played some piano. Been playing piano. And, uh, and then went and did off the cuff. At the Improv Conspiracy that night, had a drink with a couple mates for like a half hour and then went home. And then Sunday, Sunday was the fucking day, man. Sunday, I did not leave my house until I went to do my gig. I think I left the house at 5 or 5.30, went down the road to a pub and read a book for half an hour and then went and did my gig. And I was just feeling like a piece of shit, man. But I was like kind of angry with my my fucking body or my like uh, the part of myself that I couldn't control you know because I'm like well on Thursday seeing having too many socializing moments made me tired and destroyed me but then on Sunday I've stayed home all day and that also made me feel really sad so what do I want and don't tell me that what I want is to run around the park because I don't want to fucking do it I want to play sports. I don't want to go for a run. <laughs> Please don't make me go for a run. Fuck. I know. Exercise makes you feel good. The run is high. But I don't want to fucking do it. <laughs> there must be another way. <laughs> Please. Please. Seeds. Steve. <laughs> Oh god, I just, I know, when I'm feeling down, I should go for a fucking run, it worked on my birthday, 
when I ran a fucking 1.9Ks or whatever I ran. God, that was pathetic. Ah, oh, seeds. Seeds. <laughs> Sunday was fucking brutal. Um, and I didn't realise that I had gotten to... Uh, that I'd gotten to the gig and like, wait, what am I saying? I'd, yeah, I, I didn't realise that uh, I was emceeing the gig as well. I was emceeing at Stay Gold for the second time in a row that I've been emceeing it that I didn't realise until it was time <laughs> to go. I thought I was doing a spot and then Serlo sent the message out like, all right, guys, here's the lineup for the gig, Taco MC. And I'm like, fuck! And I just, again, like it was, it's great to MC and get the money, whatever, but... I wanted to go and do the set and talk about how I was feeling and not have the pressure of having to MC and carry the show and not be able to go, oh, I'm sad. And as it happened, actually, I I went on stage, I think, a little ill-prepared, bombed for a few minutes and then was able to kind of acknowledge to the crowd, hey, I've had a pretty shit day today. I haven't left the house. I've been walking around my fucking house naked. <sighs> I ended up having a good set. I also, a part of it, I think, I've really been looking forward to uh, to Blake and Liz coming back into the house because it just, um, the house being lone, like just being empty has kind of been, you know, that's made me a bit sad as well. I've been like, fuck man, I'm all by myself in this house. And when you're all by yourself and you don't need to do anything, you don't want to do anything, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm just going to walk around the house naked even though the front window is kind of open and people could see in, but I just, I trust myself to like run past, you know? And it's just like, don't walk around your house naked, man. That is the picture of a fucking depressed person. So Sunday, uh, I see my, my homeboy, Joey Green at the gig, who has a great set. Everyone has a great set at Stay Gold. What a fucking show. I did a few great shows this week. Crab Lab was fantastic. I got to MC. And uh, also the Coopers Inn, I got to MC last minute. I made like 500 bucks from comedy this week. Um, and then Saturday, uh, sorry, Sunday, um, yeah, I do, I do the gig at Stay Gold. I see Joey Green and I'm like, oh, I'm probably going to go just hang out at a bar after this and he's, he's going to go see a play, which Joseph Green is the kind of man who uses a phrase like dappled light with no hint of irony, okay? So, of course, he's going to go see a fucking play. Um, and I'm like, if you're still around, come and meet me afterwards. So he comes to the bar. I've ordered some burrata or burrata. I don't know how you'd say it properly, but... Burrata. Burrata. Um, ordered some of that. I wasn't. I was feeling a little bit sick, so I didn't really finish it. He rocked up. He helped me finish it. We just stayed there until we got kicked out of the bar, having amazing conversations. And then we were walking and I was like, do you want to come by my house and see my garden? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. So we went to my, my place and showed him my garden. And it's about midnight and um, I, we sit down at the kitchen table and I'm like, do you want a tea? And he's like, yep. And we sit there and we talk and we drink our teas and we have another tea and then we have another tea, and then we have another tea, and it's 4 a.m., and we've been talking for like four hours, just sitting on my kitchen table, talking about everything, talking about our our lives and the things that we've kind of been thinking about and are worried about and the things that we're proud of and just these amazing conversations. 
and uh, and I said, I think I'm going to go to bed. And he was like, can I crash? I was like, please, please crash. Crashed on the couch. We woke up in the morning. We made breakfast. We talked a bit more. And, uh, and he said, I'm going to go see a movie. So we went and saw a movie at the Nova on uh, Ligon Street in Carlton. We saw Jojo Rabbit for $7.00. And uh, what an amazing few, what an amazing day, really. And that just completely rejuvenated me, man, from feeling so fucking flat and uh, feeling like I was just alone all week, even though I was seeing friends, just feeling very alone, to having that time with my mate. Also, Jojo Rabbit was amazing. And Fleabag that I saw on Saturday, also amazing, both very life affirming and uh fleabag especially felt like a departure from the rabid like blame culture of you know like if you do anything wrong fuck you um it was really fucking incredible to be honest one of the best things I've seen. It just, there was this, through Fleabag, what I loved about it, it's a one-woman show by Phoebe Waller-Bridge and it's been turned into a, a TV show that I evidently have been living under a rock because I'd never heard about it or watched it, but people have been telling me about it. And uh, I saw the, the uh, there's like a recording of the one-woman production that's showing in cinemas and I saw it, as, it was in at the Nova in Melbourne, so I got me and my friend tickets to it and, and just like... It was so funny. From the get-go, it was funny, man. I could, like, straight away, I was like, oh, this chick is fucking funny as hell. But there was a, a real undercurrent of sadness for the whole time, man. I just felt so sad for this girl who is, like, around my age, maybe a bit older, and clearly just doesn't know how to accept love from people. Um, and people keep... And bad things happen to her. It's not all her fault. But she just sees the whole world as sex. And she sees sex as love. And she just, everyone, she just wants to, everyone that she wants to be close to, she wants to kind of solidify that closeness. Or she wants to, the way that she sees relating to people is by fucking them. And uh, I'm not going to give away any of the plot to the thing, but fuck, it really fucking got me. And there was a line at the end where she says, um, either everyone in the world is a little bit like this or I'm absolutely fucking insane. And, oh, yeah, it fucking got me, man. I mean, I guess that's the bet that you make when you write something like that is you put some of yourself out into the world <clears throat> under the assumption that, you know, people are going to relate to this because they've felt these things. Um, and, you know, maybe not everyone's like that with sex, but everyone does feel like they're out of control of themselves. And that's what that was kind of showing me. Oh, Fleabag, man, incredible. And then Jojo Rabbit on uh, on Monday, watching that. Um, I'm, I'm going to try not to give that away either, but it's about a little German boy who's 10 years old and he's, it's in the, it's in the second world war and he's a Nazi and he loves the Nazis and he's like, you know, it's like the scouts, but it's Nazis. And I really liked how they didn't shy away from saying that it was Nazis. Like they use the swastika. They don't use like a, an, 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 it's not like an allegory, right? It's not like he lives in some random fascist state around this time and 
We're not going to say Nazis, but you know what women? Nah, it's fucking Nazis, man. And they have all the symbolism in there. It makes it a lot stronger. It also made me realize how far away we are from the Second World War. Like, there's a lot of distance. It's almost a century since it broke out. It's going to be the 100-year anniversary of the Second World War in my lifetime. Like, in fucking in 20 years. Crazy. And it still casts such a huge shadow over our world. <laughs> Who the fuck am I talking about history like I am? Like I understand, and it still still casts such an immense shadow over our times. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. You don't fucking know a single way. Ugh, God, fucking here we go. I've had a good run of 10 minutes or so without being able to make fun of myself, but there it is. There's me being an absolute self-congratulatory punts. Um, so, yeah, this kid's in the Second World War, and... And uh, he loves the Nazi party and he finds out that his mum is hiding a Jewish girl in their house. And, you know, so on. Imagine the fucking things that happen. Um, it's a drama. Like, it's a serious thing. It's not like... And then imagine if it was like, and wackiness ensues. <laughs> He's just like... And she, like, flips his fucking poster of Hitler upside down in his room. So he's pointing at the floor. No, it's a serious thing. It's um, it's like how would actual people react to these things? And it's really nice. There's a lot of humanity in it. There's one scene where, uh, like, so the mum is obviously uh, hates the Nazi party because she's keeping a Jew in their house and the kid loves him because he's tan and he doesn't really, he just wants to be a part of a thing. And, um, but they still love each other. I mean, the mum still loves the kid and vice versa, even though they're, completely opposed in like as opposed as you can be politically in a time when that is really all that matters you know in nazi germany um but they love each other and that love is very real and there's a scene when they they go out together to like near this river and the kid's wearing his fucking nazi uniform and uh is he i can't even remember if he i think he is i can't remember he's always wearing his nazi uniform and the mom is kind of trying to convince him that, you know, it's there's more to life than just being a Nazi and killing Jews and fucking all that stuff that's been fed to him. And uh, he's on the street and she's standing up on like a wall and they're in this beautiful like kind of outdoors, like countryside area. And she's up on this wall and she's like, she's just going, life is a gift, Jojo. It's not... Yeah, life is is it's just this life. We're so we're so lucky to even have this, however brief it is. It's a gift, and she just starts dancing on the wall, and he's standing down there, and he's like, doesn't want to, you know, like be happy with her because he's like, you shouldn't be dancing, Mama. You should get down off the wall. Ah, oh, it was really nice. Anyway, so I had a nice few days. Oh, you guys have just started raining. I'm in my room. My room's there's a lot of light coming in and it's just started raining. As I said, that life is a gift. It just started raining. Boo! Um, the nicest thing I saw in the last week was on Friday, Valentine's Day. I emceed the show at the Coopers. A lot of couples in. There was uh first couple I spoke to from the stage was uh, this couple. They'd been together for 34 years and that was really nice. Got a big cheer. They were, they'd been together the longest in the audience. That was 
beautiful shit. There was another couple I spoke to who they'd lost their virginities to each other when they were 15 years old and then didn't know each other for like 20 years and, you know, had lives, whatever. And they looked like they were maybe in their mid to late 40s now and they'd found each other again and been together for four years. How beautiful. They lost their virginity together and then had been together for four years later in life. I mean, that's... There's no, like, more fucking boomerang shit than that. Remember the person you lost your virginity to? What a story. To go back to that person, or the person you had your first kiss with. Sarah Heyer. Where are you, Sarah? Come back to me. <laughs> but um, the nicest couple that I saw was that on Valentine's Day. There was a couple in the middle of the crowd that we could see from the side. And they looked to be, I guess, in their 40s maybe as well. And they, from early, early on in the show, had fallen asleep on each other. This is Friday night, Valentine's Day, full house. The show's going great. Everyone around them is laughing. And these two slumped over on each other, kind of curled up around each other's shoulders, asleep for the entire show. And, uh, and Tim who runs the show, pointed it out to me, and I got a nice picture of it. And that's going to be the picture that I use in Google Deep Dream uh, for the episode today, I reckon. That was that was real nice. Uh, I was going to say something. Oh, this week might be the last... Oh, this week might be the last episode that I record on my old fucking laptop because my money from Fringe World should be coming through any day now and I'm going to buy a new laptop and that's... Oh, I don't even need to talk about that, to be honest. Just... Fucking you guys, look forward to next week me freaking out about having a new laptop and 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 getting my $10,000 from Fringe World and finally being rich. I can now, I can, I'm about to start my life as a rich man at long last. Thank you guys for listening, man. This has been Aiden Jones uh, sitting under a tree. Next up, you're going to hear uh, a bit of my set from Saturday. I'm definitely going to put it in, man. Fuck it. This is my um, this is my self indulgent advice to all the new comics in the room at Raw Comedy on Saturday. Uh, anyway, yeah, Zayden Jones on, sitting under a tree. Please. Yeah, it's really fucking good. And you know, I know you're all still here sitting there, the people that have been on stage going, oh, I just want to get through. I just want to be noticed. <laughs> it fucking sucks, man. I know, I feel you. I understand where you're at. It's brutal. I did Raw. I did Raw three times. I've been doing comedy for eight years. I did Raw three times. I didn't get through the first two times. The third time, I've been doing, I was my fifth year of comedy. I'd done over a thousand gigs. I was standing fucking over there. And then they got me on stage. I got through the second time and I didn't get through the second round. What I'm trying to say is if you get through today, sick. Good for you. You can't. Awesome. <laughs> if you don't get through, no one cares. Like, it actually doesn't matter. Even if you win Raw, it actually doesn't matter. But if you liked, it doesn't matter. No one fucking cares about Raw. Raw comedy is sick. It's an amazing thing that we have in Australia. People put a lot of work into it. It's a great opportunity to come on stage in front of a big audience to do a show you wouldn't normally get to do and to test yourself, and that's it. 
And if you win, no kids. <laughs> I don't want kids to fuck. <laughs> you get, like, you fucking do a show in the town hall, and then you come outside on the street, and you expect, I've spoken to people who win, and they walk out and they're like, you know, I just did this show in front of like fucking a thousand people, and they walk out, and they're like, Am I a comedian now? And people are just walking past and they're like, hey, like, no one knows who you are. No one gives a fuck. It doesn't matter. So, you know, just go home and, and read a book after this. Keep it in your life. Because it doesn't, no one cares. Oh, I get paid $75 to do this. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Eight years. Eight years of done comedy, something like 15 countries. Um, I did, I just won an award last week, no one cares about that either. I had to tell, I had to tell Ivan, I was, he was like, do you want me to say anything? When you come on, I was like, oh, I won an award last week, he's like, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but if you like doing comedy, if you performed and you like doing this, you can get on stage again, literally tomorrow you can get on stage again. And just do it again, you know? Some people love like do this and they do so good and everyone's like, oh my god, the future. And then you never see them again. They just keep working at a fucking coals forever. <laughs> <laughs> they just never do it again. And some people come on this stage today and they go, Bleh! and they're insane. And you go, oh my god, and they keep doing comedy and they get better because they care about it. That's it, man. Anyway, fuck, I should tell you a joke. Sorry. <laughs> They, they finally let me do the feature spot on Raw and I was like, I'm going to tell everyone about my feelings. <laughs> All I really want is to be taken seriously and that is pathetic. Thank you.